praying this morning. I've got I've got all these teachings here, you know, this like long study notes and whatnot. Uh, but the issue is uh, I didn't have my computer earlier, and so I started praying. And I said, well, Lord, I don't have any of my notes, so we want me to teach on. And then I got this word, faithful. And uh, so if we get to these notes, then that would be great. <laughs> if we don't, that just means that God has something else for us. So um, that's kind of why it took me a little bit, because I was starting to write some things that were coming to me. Uh, faithful, you know? I want to open up with the fact that so many people, I mean, we say, for instance, God is faithful, you know? God is faithful and things like that. In other words, when we pray, we believe that God's going to come through. You know, that's like, right? I mean, whenever I say God's faithful, what does that make you think about? What you just said. What you just said. Yeah. Answer prayers, right? Um, and I believe that's true. <clears throat> always, there, always there. Mm -hmm. You know what people will usually, a lot of times in the churches, they'll say, well, God's faithful um, to do what he wants to do. Which is very confusing. Because then we never know what he wants to do. Which makes God unpredictable. The same people that say that, well, God's faithful to do his will, um, are the same people that don't know his will. Right? And what I'm trying to talk about is there's a level where we we, we have a hyper God's will message, you know. And dealing with like God is in control, you know. Uh, and don't get me wrong, God has a lot of um, God is very powerful and he's able to orchestrate things. It says in Romans chapter 8, he He's able to work all things towards the good of those who love him. Okay, but there's a condition to that. He's able to work all things for the good of those who love him. When we define that word love, we're talking about self-sacrifice. Basically, God works... Let's go over to Romans chapter 28, verse 28, I believe. And we know that for those who love... Yes. And we know that for those who love Him, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose, for those who, whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called... And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Um, and so a lot of times people will take that scripture and and they'll, they, Romans chapter 8. Uh, 28. They'll take that scripture and they won't really balance it out with other scripture. You know, anytime you have a word, reading the word of God, you must rightly divide the word of God. Okay. And we must study to show ourselves the proof the Scripture says. So, you're, a lot of times people will take one passage of Scripture and they will just run with it. And they won't, um, they won't do any kind of research. They won't study Scripture out on how people actually operated in faith. You know? Um, and they won't study how it actually turned out. You know what I'm saying? Um, when you study... Is there anyone that, um, that you see in the Scripture... 
that did not fully obey God when God did call them. You don't think of anybody? Jonah. 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 That's a good one. Abraham? No. no. Abraham did pretty good. Moses. Saul. Uh, do you think Moses didn't finish well? I didn't say that. You you asked <laughs> you if asked there was anyone you, that you didn't did not fully, yeah. yeah didn't fully obey. God. Oh, Saul. What God had said. Okay, Saul. These are better examples. Saul, Jonah, Moses is actually my my example of a faithful one. That's why. Uh, well, didn't God ask Moses to go up to Pharaoh? Moses was like, I don't have the words to speak. God was like, Okay, we'll get your brother Aaron. Yeah. Right. So that was. Mm-hmm. So. Was like a word. Yes. Yeah, so we can even talk about that here in a minute. Being faithful, what we're talking—the message is being faithful. My point was the fact that God had told him to speak to a rock, and then water would come out, and he struck the rock instead, and water still came out. And that's why, like, like he didn't get to like see the promised land, right? Because of that, like, so that was why I used him as an example. Yes, this is a good example. Jonah and Saul unfaithful. Yes, so Jonah didn't obey God until he got swallowed by a fish and uh, Solomon. But he repented Solomon. in the belly of the fish. Okay, that's a good one too. Solomon. David at times also. You know that Solomon uh you know ended up causing a big divide in the kingdom. He was considered the wisest man to ever rule over Israel. But Eli. Eli. The priest Eli. Um, my point is this: there are people that God has ch that, that God has chosen, mm -hmm. and it didn't turn out good for them. Mm -hmm. So, what is Romans chapter eight talking about? You know, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It didn't turn out well for Eli. It did not turn out well for Saul. I don't think it turned out good for Jonah. Um, uh, that's my personal opinion. There's no biblical evidence of it. But my personal opinion is that Jonah missed it and that God's grace lifted off of his life. I don't believe that Jonah actually finished well. He ended up <clears throat> Jonah did not share the heart of God. He went because he just he was being made to go, you know, but he didn't fully surrender to God in his heart. Jonah is the person that is the example is is a, is a type of person that Jesus was talking about when he said uh when a master comes to two servants and one servant says, I'll do it, and doesn't do it, and one servant says, I won't do it, but they have a change of mind, and they say, I am going to do it, you know? Cain. Do you think Cain, well, uh, I don't know, I don't know if Cain would work, okay, um, for this example. Cain, like, Cain and Abel, yeah. Well, I mean, how was he... No, that's what he said. He said that's why he said I don't think it would apply. I don't know if it would apply in this situation. What I'm trying to talk about is people that you could tell for sure had a call on their life to do great things for the kingdom of God, but they threw it away. Okay. So Eli was a priest, and Samuel was actually given was came to basically replace Eli. What about uh, Adam? Samuel had finished strong though. Oh, that's except for his sons. Adam. What about Adam? Adam. <laughs> that's a good one. Because he said Cain, because he was a man that was Adam's called by God to be the, the man. Yeah. And he fell short of it. He fell short of it. I think he it's like to say we don't know what Cain would have been because he didn't allow it to happen. Yeah. 
Alright, who else? Anybody else? Okay, so these are examples of people that God definitely had a call on their life, but they were not faithful to the end, and they did not see the promise that God had for them, okay? Uh... I don't know. Solomon's a little different. Solomon definitely had a lot going for him, yes, he but he didn't finish strong, you know. So I don't know if Solomon would fall into your category of a person that would, because Solomon is not remembered as a man who, who didn't finish strong. He's remembered as a man who did great, okay? So it's hard to use him for this example. Well, Saul, though, didn't he, like, didn't he, like, turn away from God in the end? Yeah. Like... Letting all the idols and stuff in, in inside the temple, and I mean, yeah, pretty much. But people don't know that they did. They did uh, uh, three sixty, and that's just because they don't read their Bible. Um, <laughs> so I like what you're saying because that's true. But people don't realize that Solomon is the one who intermarried with so many different nations that he compromised what God had in his life and ended up bringing in all these foreign gods. It's because of Solomon. That Israel fell. After it, Solomon, you have two kingdoms: uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Jeroboam. And uh, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. Son of Solomon, and then Jeroboam. Check this out. Here's another one. Jeroboam was also called by God by a prophet. A prophet came to him and said, "You will rule." over these nations and he said throw these uh, javelins in the ground and so he threw them in the, in the ground or picked them up I can't remember how it goes either he threw them in the ground or he picked them up and he said which however many you choose or however many you do uh, so, so he did it right and he only did like ten of them right so the prophet said oh man you did ten of them well that's how many that's how many you're gonna get of the tribe of Israel so he shot I think he shot 12 arrows in the ground, or he shot whatever. Something like that. But he was shooting. Can you Google that for me? The the calling of Jer uh, the prophet comes to Jeroboam. Just look that up. Because I think he got two, and Rehoboam got the majority, didn't he? Rehoboam only got two. Okay. Um, the reason why I know this is because uh, the northern kingdom. Uh, consists of Judah and Benjamin. Benjamin's an old name, huh? Yeah, uh -huh. Benjamin's a tribe. Southern tribes were the other oh, ten. Okay. Now the the northern tribe. This is the the line of David. All the kings that sat on this kingdom after Solomon ruled in the line of David. Okay. Oh. Judah is actually the tribe where Jesus comes from. And this is why it comes from this kingdom that... Because God made David a promise. He said, as long as you obey my commandments, one of your sons will sit on the throne forever. Right? So David did well, but his son did not. So the condition for the, the rules were, I, your son will sit on the... on the, have an eternal kingdom, and he'll sit on the throne forever. But if you don't obey, or if your sons don't obey, it'll be stripped from them. So... Not the whole kingdom was stripped. I got it. Ten of them, yes. One day, the prophet... Louder. Oh, one day, First uh, Kings 11.28 says, One day, the prophet uh, Ahijah, 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 yeah. Ahijah approached Jeroboam with the prophecy. The prophet tore a new cloak 
a cloak into 12 pieces and said, Take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Oh. See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. One king, uh, first king, 1131, the idol worship of the Israelites called. So I was surprised uh, about it. Oh, I totally had that wrong. Yeah. I thought it was the arrows. I think, I mean, you're, thinking, I think you're thinking of the Jonathan thing. What is Jonathan and David? The, the arrows have to do with... Um, they, were, they went into battle. Mm. And uh, I got my story mixed up. That's the right one. Okay? Hmm? What, what verse was that? First Kings chapter 11, verse 28. Yes. First Kings 11, 28. I mean, okay. That went way over my head. Like I was trying to keep up with that. You're cool. You're cool. Uh, we'll slow down a little bit. It's just no big deal. We want to make sure people really get it. We're not trying to um, talk over people. You know what I mean? Uh, if you don't, you know, so if you really have trouble with something, make sure you ask questions. It's cool. So okay. there was three. There was only three tribes in the north and ten in the south. Or two. Two and ten. Two and ten. Yeah. Sorry, I said David. David is the king of that place. All right, so First uh, Kings eleven twenty eight is talking about talking about how it was ripped. I like that better. It's better than my javelin deal. That javelin thing has to do with when they went into battle one time, and uh, and the prophet mourned because they they weren't going to win or something. Because whatever, I totally messed up my stories. But ten tribes were ripped from the kingdom, okay, and to the southern kingdom, and so you have <clears throat> Rehoboam. Which is uh, Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son and David's grandson. Okay, and he takes over the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom is run by Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam was called by this prophet. Obviously, God chose him to come and take ten tribes away. God chose him. Okay. This is a really good example of a man that was called by God that just jacked it up. Okay, This man did not serve God. This man messed up things bad. In fact, it's because of him that every king after him in the southern kingdom was corrupt and evil. Every single... I mean, I don't know if there is a good one there. I can't remember. There's a lot of them. There was twice as many over here, kings over here, than over here because of all the slaughtering and the assassins and people coming in and it was so so corrupt over here. It was evil. Okay, over here they they the each person pretty much lived a full life uh, as a king and they served well. So I think just was Josiah a king of the Southern Kingdom? Look it up. The Southern Kingdoms. Southern. Southern. See if Josiah was a king of the Southern Kingdom. I think he might have been. I thought he was a prophet. No, he was a king. So do they still have the north and south kingdoms in, over there? Okay, so this lasted to about... Um, good questions. I think seven... I'm going to have my dates off, okay? So please bear with me. King of Judah. I think it's 756 and... Um, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's northern. King, he was a king. He was a king Josiah was a king of the north? Yeah, king okay. of Judah. King of the north. All right. So sometimes these people in the northern kingdom would be corrupt as well. I mean, that's why Jeroboam had it stripped from him, because he was not corrupt. I mean, because he was corrupt. But for the most part, a lot of the kings over there tried to serve God, and some of them didn't. The southern kingdom, pretty much everybody was a screw-up. All right? <laughs> that's not. All right. Uh, Jeroboam, 
he was called by God and it didn't turn out well for him. So, Romans 8:28 says here, so if we if we here's the here's the argument. People will talk about the will of God. Well, the will of God happens all the time. God chose Jeroboam, but he did not love God and everything went to kaput for him, right? Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Uh, and the condition for this passage in Romans 28, actually the condition for it to work defies the theology that comes out of it. The theology of that everything happens for a reason, and God is good, and or God is good, but that God is in control, and that everything happens for a reason, that the will of God dominates all things, it doesn't, you don't really get a choice, pretty much God's going to do whatever He wants to do anyway. But and that's contradictive. God gives everyone a choice. That's right. Will. That's right. And so, what we're learning here is that there's churches out there that pretty much stop praying altogether. What's the point in praying? This is. I used to believe that um, everything happened just the way God wanted it to happen. And, you know, if I prayed for somebody who was sick and they didn't recover, well then, that means it wasn't the will of God, and so on and so forth. So, you know what I started doing? I stopped praying altogether. What's the point in praying to a God that doesn't answer? when he just does what he wants to anyway. You see what I'm saying? And then as I studied the scriptures, I realized that that is completely contradictory to the rest of the Bible. You have one passage that everybody takes and runs with it, and the reason because of this one word called predestined. Okay. Listen, if this, this theology here, the predestination theology that says God's already picked Everyone he's going to pick to go to heaven, and he's already picked everyone he's going to go to hell. It's already done deal. You can't do nothing about it. This, if you believe that, then what's the point in evangelism? Exactly. I don't understand evangelism. I've heard it a lot. The now. word evangelism, evangelion, is the Greek word for good news. Evangelism is the process of giving good news. Good oh, so being... You are. Right. Yeah. Or what you guys do when you go out in the street and talk to somebody about Jesus and say, Jesus loves you. That's evangelism. Okay? <laughs> when we go share the love of Jesus with the world, that's called evangelism. Okay? Spreading good, good word. Right. So Paul doesn't even, I don't think Paul even believes what we think he said. Because Paul will say, how can they believe? Let's go over here to Romans chapter 10. It says, for with the heart one believes in verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10. And with the mouth one confesses and isn't saved. But the scripture says, everyone who believes in him shall not be put to shame. Let's go back up to verse uh, 8. But what does this say? The Lord is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction. Look at that. For everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That's so good. Okay? Is that 8 or 10? <laughs> verse 11. <laughs> 10, 11. <clears throat> 10. That's verse 10. Verse yeah, Romans 10, 11 now. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Look at that. He didn't say that the ones he chose. It says, for on all who call on him. Amen. You see? What's up? 
people, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Listen, if, G, if, if Paul truly believed in the, in the election only, he wouldn't have never have gone to the Gentiles. Because the Jews were the ones that were elected. Mm -hmm. You see? They were the ones chosen. But they were chosen for a reason. They weren't chosen for themselves. They were chosen to be a blessing to all the Gentiles. That's what God told Abraham. In your seed, I will bless all nations. Mm -hmm. So he chose Abraham to be the way that all nations would come to know God. So everybody should be a Jew? No. Yes, actually. Well, Every person. <laughs> well, not a Jew. <laughs> you become a Hebrew. It's all in Romans. Okay. It's because you're know, talking about the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham is not a physical bloodline. It is actually a faith line. And Paul talks about how we have now become Jews by faith. Okay. No, because no. in Christ, because in Abraham's faith, the, oh man, you mean, look it up. Look you, it up. You mean not Remember. literal sense, but by in faith sense. What made the Hebrews Hebrew wasn't a bloodline. It was a faith line. When they, the scripture says that those who are Israelites, some of the Israelites are not Israelites. Mm. Look it up. Just like some Americans. He, uh, Americans? Look up the scripture that says no, some Israelites are not Israelites. Because y'all believe in God that all makes us Hebrew. <laughs> Did you know that a Gentile at any moment could come get circumcised and be grafted into the Jews? Okay, what'd you say? Look up okay. what? Okay. <laughs> scripture is not all Israelites are Israelites. All right. So, Bible verse. Uh, uh, I'm a Gentile or what? Like, I don't understand Gentiles. I'll teach you. One second. Let me look at the scripture up and then I'll, I'll go on this, okay? So, if you study bloodlines, okay? Uh, this is a good Bible study. Romans 9 6. Don't let me forget about predestination and evangelism. Romans okay? 9 6. Romans 9 6. <clears throat> Before we go there, let's finish reading in Romans 10. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. So it just said that right there. There is no distinction. Even right here it says it. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. <clears throat> For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, The Lord who has believed... Uh, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So listen, the predestination idea is that God has already chosen everyone who's going to go to heaven and that's that. Okay? That is the predestination theology that has been birthed out of Romans chapter 8, which I don't believe Paul even believed. Okay? He did not say it like that. What, here's, here's what it is. If I create, let's say the creator of flashlights... Okay, of Mac lights. He, he has a predestination for that Mac light, and that Mac light is for it to shine. The predestined design for it is to shine light, right? Mm -hmm. What if one malfunctions, though? Does that change the predestination of the Creator? No. The predestined, the predestination means you're pre designed. You are pre designed with a purpose, but not all believed. You were pre-designed with a purpose, but not all fulfilled that purpose. Jeroboam was predestined to be the king of that nation, but he did not do it well. You see? So God chose him. God picked him. He was elect. 
but he didn't inherit the promise. He was predestined. He was. He was predestined to rule. But before him, David was predestined to rule. You see? Then when, then when David's sons messed it up, God picked another. You see? Yep. So there's a... Does that make sense? Listen, God created time, and when it works, when He works with us, there's rules He, he obeys with with time. Why? Because God doesn't break His own laws. You see, He sets an example when it comes to that. Where are we at? Romans. Uh, what was his name? Not all people Nine, are six. Romans. All right. So my point is this: evangelism would be out the window if we really believed in predestination. There would be no point in me sharing the gospel. Because if you were supposed to be saved, you would get saved without me talking to you about it. Make sense? But that is not the way God set it up. That is how some churches have come up with a stupid theology that creates laziness and complacency in the, in the, Christian, in the, in the Christian faith. And, anyway. What's the point in loving if you don't? Yeah. Why would you love if you're those... predestined? Why would you love somebody who's already predestined? Right. Romans chapter 9. <laughs> and, and it really comes down to the whole process of Scripture. You know, because you study these people out. And God, like I said, you have to study it out and see that some things did not work out good for those that God picked. Why? Because they didn't love God. God loved them, but they didn't love Him. See, God chose everybody. Look. <laughs> yeah. He chose everybody. Everybody has been called. This is the scripture. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because he called every one of us. Ezekiel says that God desires that none of the wicked should perish. But they should repent and live. So it's not God's desire for anyone to go to hell. You see what I'm saying? It's not God's predestination. There aren't. God says, like, well, you're hopeless. I'm sending you to hell. That's, That's not why there's judgment. Huh? That's why there's judgment. That is why there's judgment. If there was predestination perfect like that, what could he judge? Is that why God pushed Jonah so hard to? Because like, there's like other accounts of like guys not doing obviously not doing what you know the will of God was, but the Lord pushed Jonah like like made something happen every time he decided not to go or, or you know whatever. Um, it was for the was it because of the Ninevites? Like because that I mean that was a whole nation that you got prophet versus wicked people. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, what were you gonna say? Um, was it because of the Ninevites? Yeah, because I mean that that whole nation repented. That's right. Like so, did God know that their hearts would be softened towards it? Like, like. Well, look. At, okay, just, they were awful people. Just like, because you send a prophet. Somewhere doesn't mean they're going to repent. Jeremiah is a perfect example. Yeah. God sent Jeremiah to the Israelites to have them repent, but they did never repent. So did God mess up, or did God not predestine? No, He still predestined the Israelites to be saved, but they chose not to believe. So okay. the Israelites are the only ones that are predestined. No, we're all predestined. We're all predestined. But your choice but there is the was one that messes. The predestination up. Okay, so we're all predestined to be saved, but we're not all predestined to either one. Like, like, like what we were saying at the first. Like, you were called to follow and love and choose God, but without choose is the word is is 
the word that that is um, important there because it's the axis on on you know whether or not you're chosen. You yeah. know, but you are called to seek God, and at the moment you choose Him, He chooses you right back. It's, yeah. It's uh okay. So check this out. It's like this. What about evangelism? And I mean, I thought we were just talking about how predestined isn't. Really okay, so check this out. This is okay. The perfect example is this. I have a stack of interview papers, a stack of applications for my business, and I pull out all these applications, and I call every single one of them. Every one of them. Why? Because they have all expressed interest in being part of my business, and so I'm going to call every one of them. I'm going to have an interview with them, okay? But in that interview process, I'm going to be checking things to see if they are a good fit for my company, okay? Those who display faithfulness and humility and wanting to serve, they're the ones I choose, see? If they really want to work with me, if I can tell that they're just putting an application in just to get their welfare check, I'm not choosing them. You see what I'm saying? Make sense? Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> there is a call. I called every one of them because I want all of them to have an opportunity to come work. But I only chose the ones that were humble, serving, and wanted to work with That were doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. You see? The faithful ones. What they choose to do right. The ones that I know will be faithful. Okay? And then just, okay, now I understand evangelism. That's just the spirit of the word. Yes. And then predestined. So Romans chapter 9. Yes, we're going over to Romans chapter 9. So, what did you say it was? Romans chapter 9, verse 6. But it is yes. not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. So we're talking about earlier how everybody can become a Jew. Well, let's start with not everybody who is a Jew is a Jew. Okay? They're God. wanting to be in a Jew, but they don't represent trying to be a Jew. Right. Everybody's equal. This is why the whole pray for Israel thing sometimes I think gets out of whack because we, we, we miss we misunderstand some things. This is I've never taught on this. Y'all ready for this? Okay. Verse chapter one, uh, chapter nine, verse one. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Who is his brothers? Israel. My kinsmen, according to the flesh, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and patriarch means fathers, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And from their race, according to the flesh, according to the flesh, so they were born of a seed, their fathers, 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 is what makes them Israelites. But he's talking about something deeper. He's saying, according to the flesh, is the Christ. So the Christ, Jesus, belongs to the Israelites by birth. It's their birthright. Because they were born into Israel, they, Christ belongs to them. You see? Just because they were born into Israel. All the promises of God and the prophets were prophesied to the Israelite family, this giant family. That's what the Israelites so are. Jesus is a Jew? Yes, Jesus was a Jew. Okay. Which, now you're getting down in a couple things. Y'all understand that Israel, a lot of times we say the word Hebrew, Israelite, and Jew as synonymous, right? They're all three. Same thing. Yes. They were first called Hebrews. 
they never yeah, call. They sound like different things today, and other people. Oh, it's because people don't really understand. They don't understand why they have these names. They were first called Israelites with Abraham. They were called Israelites with Jacob, and they were called Jews because of Judah. Okay. Um. They were called Hebrews. This is almost twenty-five hundred years before Jesus, so almost four thousand five hundred years before us. Wow. They were called Hebrews. Israelites, so that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So two more generations later, they get a new name called the Israelites. There's only 70 people that were called the Israelites, okay, when they moved into Egypt. When they got into Egypt, within two generations, they had 600,000 men in their families. Mm. These were the Israelites. So from 70 to 600,000 men. Wow. Okay? Mm. Israelites, these were called the Israelites. They became enslaved for one generation underneath um, Pharaoh. Um, I don't have time to go into all the details of that. I could preach another hour on the genealogies and chronological, uh, chronological orders and everything. So if everybody will just believe me that they weren't slaves for 400 years, that's not according to the biblical account if you count up the numbers. But they were only slaves for about one generation. Okay? Maybe 40 years. Or 40 to 80 years. 80 years for sure. Because as soon as they became slaves, they cried out, God saves Moses. 80 years later, Moses comes back. Okay? So they were only slaves for roughly between 80 to 100 years. Right? About a century. Okay? Uh, one lifetime, though, if you really add it up. Back then, they were living 120 years. So one generation. Like literally 120 years? Yeah. Moses is 120 years. Moses was out when he passed away. How come, like in the Bible, they say like 960? That was before the flood. Like, is it like really 960 years, yeah. or is there time different from our time? What defines a year is four seasons. And they knew that better than we do, because we have clocks. But back then, they had seasons. They didn't really. They studied the stars, the moon. The moon governs your, your months, the, star, the sun governs your day, and the stars governs your years. So they were they they didn't watch TV like us. They sat outside and looked at the stars. Okay, so they recognized these patterns in the sky called constellations. And then one year later, hey, they showed back up again. Okay, so there's your years. Also, they recognized as the stars constellations come back after one year. So as the seasons changed, it was cold, it got hot, and it's cold again. That's one year. How could someone live to be that years? It's not technically 900 years. Well, if you study the scripture, you'll see that it really is. When, on, the fourth day, on the fourth day, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars to govern the seasons, the years, and the days. Wow. Excuse me. He said, wow. He said, wow, I got to break from that one. <laughs> 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 you do anything, right? So why can't that man live up 960 years? Hey, you're also talking about um, how sin and corruption entered into the world and destroyed that. So that cut down on the lifespan. Amen. Cut down on the lifespan. Also, you have a drastic um, world encounter called the Flood, where this canopy above this canopy above the sky was removed. Um, you're going to have to have uh, James go over this.
James, do you want to go over that real quick? No, not right now. <laughs> can you give me, dude, dude? Come okay, on, give me, give me like a couple of weeks, and I can, I can put together like a full creation science deal, man. Okay, do that. And I'm can all you about it. talk just real quick about the canopy <laughs> and how it affects life? Okay, so the canopy uh, would have been a uh, a dense skin on the inner inner like side of the atmosphere. Um, it would have held. Um, between 20 and 50 percent of all the moisture in the world because before the flood there was no rain right all of the plant life and everything got its moisture from underground springs um and what that would have done that outside protective layer would have compressed um the oxygen to where everything breathed um and was surrounded by 100 percent oxygen levels <clears throat> Whereas now we might be lucky if we get a total of like actual like ten to twenty percent oxygen. Oh, so levels. you're saying that that expanded their 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 years. Or it their expands. Life. It life. expands lifespan and also it promotes growth. Sustains life. Yeah. So everybody right. was bigger back. That makes yeah. sense. Which explains where the dinosaurs went. The dinosaurs <laughs> are actually still here. They're just much smaller now. Because there's actual fossils of dragonflies and insects that have. Uh, five to six foot wingspans. That explains why they had tribes of giants back then. You know, come up yep. with tribes of giants. It's very possible that Adam could have been 12 to 18 foot tall. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There he blows. There he blows. Everything would have been much bigger. Uh, that's the same reason athletes go to oxygen bars. Yeah. Is because it helps their muscles grow. Yeah, it helps their, their bones grow, everything. So, yeah. Living in 100% compressed oxygen for your entire life, you get big. You get big things. You get smaller. You, you get, get smaller. smaller. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get over started. We'll get yeah. um, and then whenever the flood happened, it says that the, uh, the, the rain began to fall and also that the earth cracked open and, and from it the spring started spring forth fountains from the, from the inside of the crust. Uh, this is where you get your tectonic plates. Um, the earth splitting and, and huge mass coverage. Uh, from that, we have like signs uh, and how the continents were, were formed initially is actually from erosion. Um, things like the Grand Canyon, uh, you know, the, everyone will say that the Colorado River cut it for millions and millions of years, but it's actually a lot more likely that one big mass world event cut it all at once. Uh, kind of like when you uh, take a bucket of water and pour it down like a like a dirt uh, dirt patch, yeah. and you start to see it carving away. Um, think of that just on a much much grander scale. Welcome to the barracks. <laughs> so, is it wrong to have science in, in, in your religion? Because no, God. The, the the Bible says that the, the moon, the stars, the heavens, the earth all proclaim the glory of God. Um, science just reveals that. Yeah. It's only when, when science tries to disprove something that's impossible to disprove. Contradict. Yeah. Okay. So, it's all right. Awesome. Because uh, there's this, when I was in Ballinger County Jail, there was a, uh, a, <laughs> uh, a church that I went to one Sunday that it was like the science of religion. And it really caught my attention. So, and, and since then, I was just like, wanted to know the science of religion. It's good. Check this out. So, um, there was a, uh, where am I here? I gotta, 
erase some stuff. Mark all things. All of it. Alright. Start over fresh. Alright, we're gonna read the old Bible study. Alright, just for instance, uh, I did a study on a. I, watched, I like to watch documentaries and I like to study some of this stuff too, even if it's not straight up from a biblical account. Okay? Uh, because I want to get a good grasp of things. So I watched a documentary one time on DNA. And they actually, on the DNA study, they they say, just for hypothetical terms, we'll call them the um, scientific Adam and Eve. Okay? And they said, look, it's not really far from it that we all came, everyone who's alive today came from these two people. Okay? And he said that they said, but the problem is we all come up to this lineage right here. Do we all come to this peak right here, to these two people, these two individuals? But there's something weird about it because over here on one side, uh, if we study the DNA strands, they seem to have other strands before them. This one over here, it seems like, like they're from the same. Like this guy, this person uh, comes from here, but. Like, like it has, uh, it doesn't have those other strands going on. I'm not a scientist, so I can't prove, I can't say these things very well. But the point is, um, they noticed that on one of the lines that it went off, like it had these other lineages somehow that we don't have anymore at all. Okay, it's gone. They don't exist. But all these other DNA strands were there, but they're not here. No one today has these DNA strands. But but it proves that we all came from these two people. So the DNA scientists will tell you we are all related. We all started at these two people. Okay? Humans. Huh? Human. Human beings, right? Now, what's interesting is I didn't catch this till later. Because I watched the whole documentary and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Okay. And I would just mull over it and mull over it and meditate on like, what's going on here? And then the Lord showed me. What if it's not Adam? And what if it's not Eve? What if it's Noah and his wife? Hold your That would explain all your strands over here that don't exist anymore. Mm. Because we come from these two, and all these died out in the flood. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. I thought, oh my gosh. Like, they don't even realize what they're saying. They went back to Adam and Eve when they should have gone back to Noah. This is the scientific Noah. <laughs> so anyway. Cool. That's good. Anyway, there's there's cool stuff. As we study the scripture, we'll realize scripture always backs up. Uh, science will always back up scripture. If they're really seeking knowledge. If they're trying to disprove something, then they'll come up with theories. And those theories aren't really backed up by science. It's just a guess. That's why they call it the evolutionary theory. Because they can't prove it. There's a they they come up with a story that the scientists have to have faith to believe in because they don't actually have proof that we come from apes. You see what I'm saying? They have no proof. There's no. That's why it's called the missing link. You see what I'm saying? And there's not even one missing link. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of missing links. Like they think, oh, if, uh, once we find a half monkey, half human, we'll. You know, we'll have proven it. Yeah, good luck. Um, but the thing is, you also have to find a half monkey, half lizard, half lizard, half rat, half rat, half toad, half. And we have not found any links between the species at all. Like, like every every differentiation between species is all uh, 
proven by mutation, not evolution. Like mutation is that's why there's different kinds of dogs and different kinds of cats and lizards and so on and so forth is all off of mutation. Mutation is not evolution. Mutation takes the same animal base and changes it a little bit to where you have a breed. But it's still um, the animal. But it will like a canine will never turn into a feline or a primate <laughs> or a human. Um, that's right. evolution. Evolution Theory says evolution. evolution would say, yeah, it totally does. But we've had like okay, so we have pretty solid historical records, like even if you were to say like pre year zero, um, we have like pretty like solid historical records from year one all the way to now. There would have been some kind of evolutionary experience that would have been documented, that would have been seen, something changing from one thing to another in that amount of time. Even though, you know, it talks about there being transition times of like millions and millions of years, we've never seen or experienced anything that would suggest that. It was all theory, 100% theory. And there is no scientific backing for it. Absolutely none. But, and you have to keep in mind, science is, uh, means knowledge, a knowledge with, uh, with knowledge, okay? But true science, one of, the, one of the key factors in science, one of the main rules is observable data. You have to be able to observe it, and you have to be able to document it. So, if you don't have it to observe, then it's not science, it's just theory. You see? One of the number one rules for science, you have to be able to observe it. That's why they try to disprove God, because you can't observe God very well. Well, you can observe God by faith and see God move, but then people just... Ha ha, back to faith. Yeah. All right. We are totally off on our butt. I think that was good. Where are we at? Romans chapter 9. Israelites. Okay, y'all got the Hebrews, Israelites, Jews. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. We're going back. We're trying to get back on track. Where are we at? Romans chapter 9. We're on precedent. Uh, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are uh, children of Abraham because they are his offspring. It says, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise Amen. are counted as offspring. Okay, watch this. Not the children of flesh, but children of promise. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return, and Sarah will ha shall have a son. Not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, so they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Not because of the works, but because of him who calls. He told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Another word for hated means rejected. So God chose Jacob. Why? Because he already knew the heart of Jacob. He chose Jacob. Wouldn't that mean his whole... But he didn't choose Jacob for Jacob alone. He chose Jacob because Jacob would be a blessing to all nations. Listen, it is, watch this. We think that because God chose Jacob that he didn't choose anyone else. 
that's completely contradictory to this passage. He chose Jacob in order to choose all nations. Do you see that? The promise he made to Jacob about all his children. Yes. It, the promise of Jesus Christ comes through Jacob. Without, the, without Jacob having been chosen by God, we would not have had Christ. Without Christ, all of us wouldn't have an opportunity to be, to be grafted in, to be engrafted in. So the, the choosing of Jacob was not to exclude the world. The choosing of Jacob was God's divine plan to include all the world. So we get bent out of shape. Well, God predestined. Yeah, he predestined Jacob so that he can predestine that all should come to know Christ. You see? It's beautiful. But it's still our free will to choose. Yes, it's still our free will to choose. Which will change his predestination. His predestination never changes. It's our choice that, that says, am I going to hop onto this train that I was predestined for, or am I going to stay off? Right. Make sense? Yes. I have a ticket that's been bought and paid for, and it's headed over there. And I have a choice to all the board or stay off. See? But I have predestination. It's been pre-designed. It's been giving you a ticket. Hey, I bought you a ticket to Hawaii. Get on the plane or stay home. See? God's given us a ticket to heaven, to the kingdom of God. We have a choice whether or not we can get on it or not. But every one of us has been predestined. The ticket has been bought. Good. We choose. The older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? By the way, if you study into the actual curse and blessing that Jacob said over Esau, he says, I already blessed Jacob, I'm sorry. So he puts his hand on Esau and starts to curse slash bless him. And he says to Esau, he says, but whenever you grow restless, you will break the yoke off. Draw restless? Yeah. He says, you'll serve your brother Jacob. But one day the yoke will be removed. The yoke. The yoke, which means a yoke. A yoke is a, a shell. A yoke. A yoke is um, what they put on oxen. It's a big old piece of wood that goes like this. A big old thing they put on top of the oxen. The oxen used to walk. The steering wheel. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. That's a totally messed up deal. Anyway, so he sticks them in. Yeah. It's like a harness. Yeah. Like the reins or something. But it's a yoke. It's a wooden yoke, and it actually went over two oxens. Right. Okay? And then they would get on there and it would pull their cart and buggy right here, right? You. <laughs> That's a yoke. <laughs> okay. Make sense? <laughs> How did you spell that? Yoke. Y-O-K-E. The yoke of his... Yoke. Y-O-K-E. Y-O-K-E. It look like Y-O-K-E. Yeah, I'm sorry. The yoke, yoke of his service? To yes. Yoke. So a burden, this, this yoke represents a burden. Okay. It represents that you have a burden to carry or you have a service to do. It means that you are tied up and you're linked to it and you can't get removed. It's like oh, Jacob's brother. A lot like slavery, but slavery in the Bible is not has, does not have the same connotation that we have of slavery today. Slavery means that you owe someone something. Back then, most most of the slaves that were back then were not forced to be slaves, they went into slavery voluntarily in order to pay off debts, okay? So the vast majority of slavery back then, so I was even studying in the ESV 
uh, why, how they translated the words, and they actually, a lot of the words for slave, they just translate into bondservant, which is actually still a slave. But back then, it has a diff whenever the Bible was written, the word slave had a totally different connotation. In fact, there was a legal system that prevented a slave from being a slave for a lifetime, unless he chose to be a slave for a lifetime, because every seven years, they would free all the slaves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all your debts would be canceled every seven years. Right. What about the one with the, the Egypt and stuff? Yeah, well, God's law didn't reign in Egypt. That's why he broke them free from that slavery. Okay. Oh. Gages? Yeah, you bore your ear Yep. to say, I'm going to be a servant of this man for the rest of my life. If he wants, that's what the, the Levitical law says, that if a slave comes to his free time when he gets free, uh, if he has any children um, that were born to him or a wife that was given to him in slavery, um, then, and he wants to be, become a free man, he has to leave his family because the family belongs to the, to the master. Okay? And so he, uh, he can choose to say, no, I love my wife, I'm going to be with her forever, and I'm going to choose to be with this master for the rest of my life, and it bores him out. And so why can't he just, if he does love her, why, I know some of them chose to, but why didn't they just choose to leave the slavery Collect enough money to buy his family. That's possible. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but pretty much, yeah. I, I wouldn't see why that would be an issue. A lot of it was like it basically becomes a job more than it more than just being a slave. Like you could choose, like if your master was a good master, you could just choose to Still serve him. Like, yeah. you're yeah, like making money back then to buy your family was a hard thing too. Yeah, if well, you weren't born into money back then, it was hard to have money. We have a misunderstanding of what slavery is. We actually are in slavery now. Um, if you have any kind of debt, okay. This is what this is what defines a slave slash a master. Okay, a master has, and a slave has not. That's it. So. A master would own property, like it belonged to him. He had property, he had a way of making income, he had a way of providing jobs. And then there were people that didn't own anything, but they still had to eat. So what did they do? They go work for a master. You see what I'm saying? So any boss nowadays is a master. Is a master. We have a misunderstanding because we have a in America we have we had slavery with the with the yes. African-American slavery, you know, where they go to Africa, pick them up off the island and bring them back and make them slaves for the rest of their lives. And it was, uh, we have a real bad connotation of what it is, but the truth is we've entered into modern-day slavery. It just looks different, and it's called debt. If you, listen, if you have a house, I, I'm, a, I'm a home owner. That's a lie. I don't own a home. I still owe $46,000 on that home. Wow. Okay? So... If you don't own anything, then you're in debt, which means that you must pay off that debt, which means that you're enslaved because you have to go to work. Just like when the Romans, but then even when you pay off the debt, you still have to tax it. Yeah, exactly. Just like back in the day when the Romans used to come to the, to the cities and say, hey, you got to pay your wages for the year. Mm -hmm. and that's because it, they, were, they owned that land because they right. took that land over. America is run... You know, we say it's run by the people, but the truth is we've empowered a government yes. to build our roads, give us schools, yeah. do a fire department, uh, 
You see what I'm saying? All those things are run by the government. So the government owns a lot of the land, and we've got to pay taxes in order to use this land that's run by the government that the people set up. You see what I'm saying? So it's like this. Yeah, it's kind of, in our nation, it goes like this. The moment that we have a great catastrophe and a great powerful leader comes up and says, I'm going to save you, is the moment we go back into slavery. Okay? That's what happened. That's what Hitler was. You know that Hitler was the, was the savior of Germany, right? Yeah. If you study your history, you'll realize that Hitler was actually, they loved Hitler because he, he saved them from he took him out of a, He took him out of a depression and brought him up out of depression. Yeah. But war does Donald that anyway. Donald Trump or whoever we want to put in office. Uh, I mean, I, we, we said all that about, nah, I don't want to go into things like that, but um, we'll keep it visible. Um, but yeah, if you if you have a great catastrophe, and the setup for um, the setup for a nation to become a dictatorship is great economic depression and a great strong leader to bring them out of that depression. And a lot of times, depends, and it depends on his heart, because if his heart isn't to give it back to the people, then he will begin a destructive course of, of uh, what do you call it? Downfall. Um, dictatorship. Okay, or tyranny. All right. Yeah. Well, it's already downfalled. It's already failed. That's what. That's why they came in and took over because the system had already failed, and now it needs a strong leader to bring it back. So if the strong leader that comes in play doesn't have a heart to give it back to the people, then you enter into tyranny and dictatorship. Make sense? And that's what happened with Hitler. Hitler was a great leader in, his, in the terms of leadership. Okay, He was an evil man which caused him to cause a lot of pain to everyone around him. You see what I'm saying? But if, you st if you're saying what is a good leader, Hitler was a great leader. He was just an evil man. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so, anyway, we're totally getting off the Bible study. What are we talking about now? Uh, faithfulness? Or faithfulness. We're talking about faithfulness. Jacob blessing to all nations. Yes. Master has, slave has not. Yes, so we're talking about that. Uh, a master has, a slave has not. So, if I have to go to work to pay all these bills, and I don't want to say I'm in slavery, I've, met, I've missed it. I don't. You don't understand. We actually have modern day slavery. We just don't call it slavery. It's called debt. But we have to go to. If I'm going to pay off my debt, all right. Now watch this. If I choose not to go to work for my debt, then what happens is I put myself underneath the care of the government. Yes. And if you put yourself underneath the care of the government, you go into a, a worse slavery. It looks great at first. Oh, well, we're going to give you a welfare check, or we're going to pay your food stamps, whatever. Do you realize that uh, if you study the scripture, that Jacob came in with his family. He had 70 of his family members, and one of his sons was named Joseph. Joseph came and served. Came, uh, he was sold into slavery. Mm -hmm. He was sent to prison. He interpreted a dream. God, uh, Pharaoh put him in charge of second command of all of Egypt. He saw the dream that Pharaoh had and said, you're going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So he's, Pharaoh says, I need a wise man who can t tell my people what to do. I'm going to pick you. So he picked Joseph, and Joseph became second in command of all of Egypt. So he commissioned everybody that they give a fifth, your first tax, of all that you had to the king of Egypt. So they took a fifth of all their produce and brought it to Egypt, to the capital there, 
and put it into storehouses and saved up all this grain over the next seven years. Okay? Now watch this. They put all that food into storage for seven years. At the end of the seven years, the famine hit. Guess what? No one had any food, so they came to the government. This is what they did. It says in the scripture that literally they came and they bought... The Egyptians allowed the people to buy the grain. Their own grain back. They had to buy their own grain back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they come and buy their own grain back, right? This increased the wealth of Egypt tremendously. Okay? As a government. It took it from the people, but it put it in the government. They paid for their own stuff to 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 get it back. Eventually, it says they had nothing. They sold all of their possessions. They all gave all their money. They had livestock. They, when they ran out of um, money, they gave their livestock. And then it says, when they ran out of livestock and possessions, they sold themselves into slavery. Mm. And they said, we will serve the government of Egypt just so we can eat. Mm. Now, that is how you set up a tyranny. Because before that, People were pretty free. They could do what they needed to do. But it was great economic catastrophe that led to a selling of themselves to say, we need a savior, save us, provide for us. We're going to give you, if you'll just give us welfare, if you'll just give us food stamps, if you'll just take care of us, we'll do whatever you want us to do. So they actually entered themselves into a place of bondage that was deeper than before. Okay, So then... They had nothing. They couldn't get out of that. After the seven years of famine was over, guess what? They belonged to Egypt. You know? They belonged to Egypt. And this is where the Israelites entered into slavery as well with all the rest of Egypt because everything that they had now belonged to Egypt, but they were just put over the things that belonged to Egypt. Make sense? Then when God came and judged the people, Egypt, and did the ten plagues, he set them free, and then all the wealth that they had accrued from those seven years they just hand it to the Israelites and said, get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So we got everything back. He plundered. It says in the scripture that they plundered Egypt. The slaves that were once slaves plundered the wealth of Egypt. So it's interesting. Jacob, Joseph, actually set up this system where they would accrue all the wealth. Now here's the thing. The moment that Egypt started to abuse the family that brought them the blessing. Check that out. God had said, I will bless all nations through you. Joseph. All nations were blessed because of Joseph. The moment that Egypt abused Joseph's family was the moment the catastrophe hit Egypt and then they plundered it. So Egypt probably did plunder themselves. Egypt so brought it home. Yeah, because uh, because God is the judge. God judges the the great and the powerful. It's good stuff. Joseph brought in wisdom. Joseph brought in the blessing. Because Joseph was there, everywhere Joseph went. Joseph increased the wealth of the one he served. Wow, we just got on top of it again. 
This is so awesome. Faithful. This is what Joseph was. Joseph was faithful. Even during his worst times, he never gave up. He never stopped serving God. So many times we look at faithfulness and we say, God needs to be faithful. We need to be faithful. We miss it. Yes, God's always faithful. The only one who's not faithful is us. We've talked about this many times already today. How God has already made a way, but we have rejected Him time and time and time again. God's faithfulness is not, is not in question. It's our faithfulness that's in question. God has already set up a system that if we would be obedient and follow Him and operate in faith and humble ourselves and serve and let our works come forth because of our faith, faith without works is dead. If I say I have faith, but I don't do the work, then I really don't have faith. I was lying. If I say I have faith, I have to work. That work must follow why, because you'll recognize them by the fruit. Jesus says that. You'll recognize them by the fruit. So when we say we believe, then we must do. When we do, then we've proven ourselves faithful. And that's what Joseph did, man. He come in there, he proved himself faithful. Everything he did, he was always a blessing wherever he went. The blessing was designed to follow Joseph, as long as Joseph honored God, because the blessing always follows God, you see. So Joseph chose to honor God in all situations. He was wrongly, he was, he was abused by his brothers, they threw him in a pit, and then took him out and sold him into slavery. He done nothing wrong. Sold into slavery. Many of us would say, well, God's unfaithful. I'm in this pit. No, God is faithful. Are you going to remain faithful in your pit? But so many times we get we get bent out of shape because we look at our circumstances. Well, God's not faithful. Why? Because we think God's in control. God's not in control of that. God didn't say that most that Joseph was going to have to go into slavery in order to serve all of Egypt. That wasn't the divine plan of God. It was the enemy's plan to thwart the dream that God had put in Joseph. Look, God gave Joseph a dream, and he saw all of his brothers bow down to him. He saw the, he saw the shucks of wheat bow down. He didn't fully understand that dream, or he would have known that. He was going to save his family. That the shucks of wheat weren't just them bowing down. It was him preparing a way to feed them. The shucks of wheat. Right. You know? Grain. Most Joseph was a great dream interpreter. But I feel like he misinterpreted his dream somewhat, or he would have been very quiet. Back then, he was, back then, he was, a baker, he was 17 years old. Yeah. So, just like anything, any trait you have, you've got to train that trait. So I think he opened his mouth too quickly. His brothers tried to squash the dream. So they sold him into slavery. Did that change? When he was got sold into slavery, did that change the plan of God? See, here's the thing. Here's the cool thing about God's plan. When God has called you, it doesn't matter what your experience is. If you have faith and believe God, you will trump your experience. That's what is cool about the predestination of God is that it, first, here's the thing. The predestination of God is a plan that God has that he will make happen, but it requires faith. If I, if I say, well, I'm not going to have faith, and it's just going to happen, it won't happen. Listen, if I don't have faith and God has a predestined plan, it won't happen with me. Now, somebody else who comes along the line who does have faith, it will happen with them. That's why God chose these people, because these people have faith. They believe God. He chose them. Esau was rebellious. Yes, he was. He was rebellious. When he found out that the that marrying 
from from their own family pleased his father, and that marrying the other people in the land did not please his father. You know what he did? Went and found a woman that wasn't approved, and he got married to her just to piss off his dad. <laughs> you see? <laughs> Jacob, even though he was a little bit selfish, always sought the approval of his dad. Interesting. Even though he was a little bit conniving and deceitful about it, he still sought the blessing from his father. He didn't scorn the blessing of his father. You know what I'm saying? Esau started to throw it away when things weren't going his way. You see what I'm saying? Jacob, what things weren't going his way his whole life. He was born to not be receiving that gift. He was born number two. It wasn't even his birthright. He was destined, according to culture, to not even inherit that promise. But he didn't allow that to stop him. He said, I'm going to keep on going. Now, again, I think he, he did it deceitfully. He got repaid for all that deceit that he did um, through his own sons when his sons deceived him. Would his father not have honored the agreement that he made with Esau where Esau sold his birthright? I would assume so. Oh, did he just not tell him? Because I feel like that's a lot easier than, like, yeah. Dressing up like him and sneaking in there and acting like you're Esau. <laughs> Just be like, well, yes, Esau has the right, but he gave it to me, sold it to me. Yeah. But, but with Jack, could I see very well? But, but I'm like, Jack, would he recognize it because it's his blessing to give? Just because Esau gave it to him, don't mean he has to respect that. He said, hold up, no, no, no. You can't give that away because that's not yours to give away. Well, if it if it belongs to Esau, the birthright does belong to Esau. Yeah. So he has the authority to give it up or keep it. Okay. okay. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. You know, he was hungry and famished. He could have just waited and cooked his own meal. <laughs> this is lazy is what it is. <laughs> a bowl of soup. Spoiled. He was very spoiled. Woo! Have you ever heard the term cut off your nose and spite your face? That's what it is. Right there. When you when you weren't patient enough to wait for the promise. We do that a lot, man. God is a promise for us, but we choose to sell ourselves short. Mm. Instead of being patient enough. Instead of being patient and pushing through. Suffer a little hunger. It's alright. We receive the blessing. It's good. And Joseph, he was faithful with God, man. That's the thing. When you're going through your pit, you gotta be faithful. So God rescues him out of the pit, even though he was sold into slavery. He goes into slavery, right? It's not right that he went into slavery. He's supposed to be a ruler. Sometimes you got to learn how to serve before you can rule. So he goes into slavery. Potiphar's wife had the hots for him. She's like, hey, come, you know, lie with me. Wink, wink. All right. Joseph said... Horror of Babylon, right? He said, No, my hairy chin chin chin. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we're talking about Potiphar's wife. She was an adulterous woman. She wanted to have Joseph, or she wanted Joseph to have her. And Joseph told Pharaoh, uh, Potiphar's wife, because see what happens is Potiphar uh, saw Jacob, I mean Joseph, he saw Joseph working, and Joseph was diligent. He was a servant. Watch this. He was a good, Joseph was faithful 
in the entire house. He got he got the whole house in order. He was a faithful servant. He was a slave. You got to get this. He was a servant. He was a slave. And Potiphar saw that he was faithful, and it says that he gave he made him ruler of his house. He became the overseer of the household. Listen, he was the youngest of the brothers, the servant of all of his brothers, and his dad exalted him to a higher status and gave him favor. He's my favorite son. Then he was sold into slavery. He was faithful with what he had, and Potiphar made him overseer of everything. It says, actually, that when Potiphar's wife came to him and said, Come lie with me, Joseph said, Far be from me, I can't do this with you. Potiphar has given me everything. There came a point in Joseph's life as a slave that he was not even considered a slave anymore. He was the top dog. He was not a slave. He was a servant. He had a servant's heart. But Potiphar considered him his right-hand man. His equal. His equal almost. Yeah. It says he's given me everything. Given everything except you. He says, why would I take this one thing, though my master has withheld from me, which is you, you're, you're his wife. Everything else is mine. She was basically the fruit of good and evil. Mm. She's basically that fruit. Back in the garden, garden, right? So what's she do? She grabs his clothes. He runs. Takes off running. So what do you do with sin? Run. And the other way. Takes off running. She rips his clothes. And then she screams. Just he's he tried to take advantage of me. She had to close. He didn't do nothing wrong, right? Not only that, he was he was vocal about not doing this. He was adamant. He was running. He was getting away from it. Yet he was doing the right thing. Yet he was wrongly accused. Potiphar comes home, gets angry, throws him into prison. Now at this point, you would say, God, I've served you all of my life. I've always given you honor, and then next thing you know, I was I was the best in my family. I was got thrown in a pit. They got thrown in a pit, got put into slavery. And I was good there. I did right by there. I didn't even do nothing wrong. Have you? How many times have you ever heard I, you know, if I did if I did the crime, I'm going to do the crime. Right? People they, they they did the time for not any crime, but they decide I'm going to do the crime anyway. Why? They throw it away. They throw away their inheritance. They throw away their promise. Because they went into prison, served the time, didn't do the crime, and now they want to make everyone else pay. That's just, you're going to just, yeah, welcome to hell. <laughs> okay? Wow. Don't do that. When we go into the worst parts of our life, though, your response should be, give glory to God. But what we do is we get into a situation where it looks impossible, and we're like, this isn't fair. God... He's not faithful. The question isn't whether God's faithful. The question is whether you'll be faithful. Mm -hmm. Because God is always faithful. God didn't put Joseph in prison. God didn't put Joseph in slavery. Now later on in the passage, you'll see where Joseph says, You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. And that word doesn't mean that God intended for him to go through all that. The word means that God was able to make all things work for the good of those who love him. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because their intention was evil, but God's intention was good. 
Not that he willed for them to go there. God didn't decide for him to go to prison. The brothers decided for him to go into slavery. Potiphar's wife chose that he go into prison. These people that were against the man of God are the reason why he ended up in the positions that he was at. But Joseph remained faithful all the time, and he said, but what you intended for evil, God intended for good. God is so good, he's able to take this evil that you meant, and he's able to turn it around good. <coughs> why? Because the plan of God cannot be thwarted if I continue to be faithful. Yeah. Joseph can, kept his faith on the whole time. Didn't throw it away. He kept his faith on through the whole situation. Miraculously, miracle, it's a God thing that he encountered the baker and the wine bearer, the cup bearer. It's a God thing that they told him his dream. It's a God thing that he had the wisdom to interpret their dream. And it's a God thing that two years later, not that it was two years later God's will that he'd be in prison for two more years, but two years later. This is so powerful, dude. You know that Jesus was in the grave for three days? Joseph was in prison for three years. Joseph was chosen by his father. Jesus was the son of the father. And the people of God, the people, his own people rejected him. And they rejected Jesus. He goes into slavery. The scripture says that he did not consider equality with God to be something to grasp, but he became to the point of a servant. Humbled himself to the point of a servant, even to the point of death. Joseph was wrongly accused of something, and he paid the price. Jesus also took the blame for something he never did. Joseph is like an awesome picture of Jesus. Then, he interprets this dream. He's seated at the right hand of the king. Just like Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Powerful stuff. And then he creates a system. Because of the situation in Egypt, where everyone is going to go hungry. Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he shall be filled. But you know what it'll cost you? Your life. It'll cost you your life. And then we become bond servants of God. Powerful stuff. Question isn't whether God's faithful. Question is whether we're faithful. Joseph had a promise from God. It didn't matter where he was. When we let events in our life shake our foundation. Shake our faith. And uh, if our foundation isn't strong, if it hasn't been built on Jesus Christ, then that little tremor in our life now becomes a big, huge issue. Uh, because our imagination takes over, we start doubting the faithfulness of God. Wow. And so you stop remaining faithful, and you stop glorifying God. That's right. That's right. And that is the greatest setup for failure in your life. The moment you stop being thankful is the moment you stop being faithful. Yeah. The moment you stop being faithful is when you lose faith, you lose humility, and you lose grace in your life. If you want the favor of God to continue on in your life, you must remain faithful. And this is why God told Moses... I, with other prophets, I speak in visions and in dreams, but not so with my servant Moses. I speak to him face to face because he has proven himself faithful 
in all my house. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Be sure to hit that like button, share it to your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to visit our website at bombzs.com. We got a lot of content there, a lot of things for you that are absolutely free. So wow. be sure to utilize us as much as possible. We hope that you have a great day, and God bless.